0: Close your eyes and just start off with the thought of what does God think of me? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are always welcome to have honest conversations with you and just to be with you. And we thank you, Lord, that it It is not something that relies on our feelings, but it is always an open invitation towards who you are. That we can know and understand that you love us and you accept us and you will always guide us. Amen. Good evening everyone. It's nice to have all the mummies here over the long weekend. <laughs> you know. And uh, it's, yeah uh, Ray, like Danelle is also here because Nico is looking after the baby, so it's on, same as you. So it's like some, a victory dance day, you know. <laughs> Who here is the youngest in the family? Okay, okay. Have you ever heard your brother or your sister who's older than you complain to your mom that you get away with everything? Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an example. So, my sisters weren't allowed to watch TV at all during the week, and in the weekends they were allowed to watch like two hours. And I was just basically allowed to watch the whole time, we were either watching TV or running around in town. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else, maybe? Story? Yeah, well, the, curfew is like nine, <laughs> <laughs> the curfew moves on. My wife is the middle child, so she, <laughs> she uh, in a strategic way, she's the negotiator, so she will always negotiate with her parents to remind them of the rules. <laughs> Silly if you ask Chris? Oh. Ray? I <laughs> have no curfew. No curfew? But uh so you do you have an older brother or sister? And she was always fine of Strict, strict of her, not strict of you. Well, okay, so you just got away with everything. You don't know. <laughs> it's like I don't know, Mom just made the rules up now. <laughs> yeah? that's actually true I also remember my mom going in and hitting my brother and then I could really hear that bell plopping. and then when she comes to me it's like she has melted (laughs) it's like and then my brother will just wait till my parents is away and then we'll have a good fight (laughs) and he will always win those with my head banging against the floor or something like that (laughs) And then I, will always make the, I will always make the suggestion, I remember one time, we, we just moved to Pretoria and uh, we were actually my dad's new firm where he was working uh, in Midrand and we were walking around, the, my dad was actually just showing us a place where he had bloemfontein sien, and uh, my brother was chirping me, chirping me and I clapped him, like, lekker, dier <laughs> die but knowing that I can run and hide behind my mom, <laughs> that was my only defense. But the reason why we ask this question actually is like it brings up some feelings inside of us of maybe of what we think about is fair and is unfair. Because mainly, mainly in life and how we are treated, you know, you've, if if you pay for something, you better get it, you know, because that is fair. And the same with it in any relationship, if it's with a brother or sister with a loved one or whoever, you know if you give or you do your part, then the normal quitter we can say is you will bring your part as well. And I know a lot of fights start usually by being unfair or something. Like I know my brother always also said, yeah, but Nicholas can do this and this and I cannot. And I just never understood actually why because we were five and a half years apart from one another, you know, so... I never really knew what he was talking about, only knowing that he's going to back me later. When Mars Dani. But it brings up a feeling inside of you of something that, uh, you know, it's like you're a little bit angry and disgusted and confused. And not only with uh, the person, like your younger brother or son, uh, because maybe some of you are the oldest and you had that confused reality inside of you, but why can't they now and I weren't allowed to? We're talking about that feelings rising up in you because somewhere in life, something is going to happen and then we all use the next sentence. But remember when you were young. Eh? Who has it? I've, well, I've used that, I don't, not really towards my brother because I was the youngest one, but he mostly uses it. And we all are guilty of that. And the, the story tonight is, is, is where we are in the season. We, we are talking about Jesus, the original punk. We, we are going through parables of which Jesus taught to explain things. So once again, just remember a parable wasn't something that really happened in that moment. So if one day you go to Israel and the bus... Um, MC says, this is where the parable of the uh, Samaritan, the good Samaritan, was, then you just say, hmm. Okay, because it ne- never really happened. It is a story to teach us something about the kingdom of God, because that's what the parables did. It led us to a new understanding. And we're in a season called Lent as well, if you are doing Lent. And how this actually just fits into maybe your daily routines or what say if you're fasting or adding something or taking something away or or adding meaning, scripture, reading more or doing something else, going on a diet, <laughs> you know, that's Lent mostly, not eating chocolates or drinking coffee. Life life by death. Uh, and in, in the season, we are moving a, away from just focusing on the lane scriptures, but we're doing parables. So that's where we are. So for all the people that haven't been here for a while, like the moms, uh, that's where we are. And this is actually a painting Milani did and explained why she did it. So that's actually what's up. We're just encouraging everybody to bring some art forward. So, sure. where were we? All right. So... The parable we're reading tonight is out of Luke 15. So if you have your Bibles here, uh, you're more than welcome to turn to Luke 15 so long. But it's one of the parables that only comes in Luke. And we, Han also taught out of Luke last week about the meals. And we are continuing just to understand a little bit. Luke writes for the Gentiles. So he goes a little bit off the path as Mark Mark, and Matthew writes concerning to the Jews. He has more like a, a polis style where he says, I want to write to the Gentiles. So that's actually why one of these stories would be in the Gospel of Luke. Because he's trying to make a point. So before we start, just we have to imagine this. Jesus is teaching, he's telling parables, and he's been cornered with the question, the reality why are you eating, feasting, sharing your life with the sinners? So it's more of less that feeling that comes up with your younger brother But why are you treating them the same as you are treating me? Because they are not the same than we are. Because we are the people of God, we follow Israel, we go to the temple, we worship. But you hang out with people who are sinners. Basically, they don't follow the law, they don't follow any rules, they live their own life and they are not part of us. So get that context in your mind, and then we're going to read. So there's two, there's two parables before this, short, short stories, where Jesus is starting to, in, like, doing an intro towards the parable of the lost son. It's one where a, a woman loses a coin, and then she looks all over the house for the coin, and then she finds it, and she invites all her girlfriends to come and celebrate with us, and then we would say, yeah, but what do you mean? She just lost a coin. But actually, just a, a little short intro is like, before you got married in, in the ancient times, in, uh, in more healthier or families that allowed it, you, your, your father would come to you and he'll give you a coin. And that coin will be yours and yours only. And, and in that culture, it, it was like your backup if your husband decided to not have you in his life anymore. Then you had a coin to save you financially, to make sure that you don't become a prostitute or have to do weird things or become someone else to stay alive. So that's actually the coin that we are talking about. Then there's also the one about the lost sheep. You have 100 sheep, 99 is where one gets lost, who will be crazy enough to go and find the other sheep when you have 99 to look after? It's like that ethical question inside of yourself, will I wait and see if I can find one and leave the 99 in danger before I get them. So it doesn't make sense, stories, parables. And now we are leading into the parable of the son. So we're reading from verse 11 all the way up to 28. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, please just follow, listen, but live yourself into this parable, because that's a great thing about a parable. It invites you into those situations. And he said, There was a certain man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the part of my property that falls to me. And he divided the uh, estate between them. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all that he had and journeyed into a distant country. And there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose living. And when he had spent all he had, a mighty famine came upon the country and he began to fall behind And be in want. I'm going to read on now from verse 15. But today, if you tell your parents I'm moving to Cape Town, they'll be like, great. They'll encourage you, do it. You know, you're probably getting a job there and you're going to go on your career. But in the ancient times, if you told your father, give me my part of what is mine, basically, let's just think a moment. When does that happen in our culture? When do you get your parents' stuff? If they left you something, when they've died. So, asking your dad for your part of the estate, for your part of the riches, is you are declaring him dead to yourself. You are telling your dad, you are dead to me. Dead, 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 dead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for those who have seen it. (laughs) You You are declaring him dead, and you are leaving him and everything behind for something else. So, it's just not a thing of taking your sock health and moving on. It is saying to your dad. So, imagine going to your parents now and just tell them, sorry, you are dead to me. Goodbye. The feelings that will be in their hearts. Right, so that is what's going on here. From verse 15. So he went and forced himself upon one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed hogs. And he would gladly have fed on and filled his belly with the carapods and the hogs that the hogs were eating. But, not, but he did not satisfy satisfied his hunger. Nobody gave him anything better. So, for a moment, pause there. Had every, everything in life, spent it on everything he was not supposed to spend it on. So, doing what? Living a Gentile life a sinner's life. And it, where did it lead him? It led him towards the pigs. <laughs> and, and for a moment, uh, we have to, to once again say, uh, when, when, if you were a, a, a shepherd of pigs, if that's really not uh, a keeper of pigs, you know, we all know pigs. They are really dirty before they are bacon. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just the reality. They are dirty animals. And... We go through so many processes actually to clean them because they eat everything. They are full of worms. They are disgusting. And now, imagining come to a place so low that you are forcing yourself onto someone to, let's say, um, hire you to look after the pigs, not getting any financial money because then he wouldn't have been completely, how can I say, bankrupt. Because he was eating what? What the pigs were eating. So usually in that time, if you did a day of labor, you'll get a denarii, a one piece of coin, and that is what you had to live on for the day. So basically, it will give you something to go and buy a bread or whatsoever with. So he is down and under. Now, Jesus is trying to make a point here. He did not only say to his family they are dead he, he started living with the pigs so now even in society if you had to meet him he would have what stunk be filthy be one of the most disgusted human beings you probably would meet in the day so he's trying to set a metaphor here of grossness of really explaining to somebody that is what not holy, not worthy to be a human. All right, let me get my place again. Verse 17. Then then when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have enough food and even to spare? But I am perishing year of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Which isn't a joke in that time. If, in some Gentile concepts, it, it's like that um, movie, Gladiators. <laughs> no. oh, there's a lost boy, let's catch a ribbons, we'll sell him as a slave. So it's not a misconcept or trying to, it's some parents had to sell their, per, uh, their kids to labor so that they can eat and so that their kids could live on. As we read that at least the father paid these servants working for them. So it's not something weird, but just imagine for a moment selling your child or selling yourself to your dad in that concept. Right, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned. Okay, that we've read verse 22. But the father said to his uh, bond servants, "'Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, "'and give him a ring for his hand, and sandals for his feet, "'and bring out that calf, that fattened calf, and kill it, "'and let us revel and feast, and be happy, and make merry. "'Because this my son was dead, and is alive again. "'He was lost, and is found. "'And they began to revel a feast, and make merry. "'But his older brother... Well, the older son was in the field, and he returned and came near to the house. He heard the music and dancing, and having called one of his servants to him, he began to ask what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed that and calf, because he has received him back safe and well. But the older brother was angry and deep-seated wrath, with deep-seated wrath, and resolved not to go in. Then his father came out and began to plead with him." We're reading up to there. So, let's just recap what's happening in the story. If you were in a normal context of a conversation where Jesus was talking to Gentiles and to Jews, there would be mixed feelings. The Jews or the Holy ones would feel that the Father would chase the Son away because he has sinned against him and against heaven, so Jesus is actually trying to make a metaphor of saying that the Son has done everything wrong in the eyes of the law, and for some would say in the eyes of God as well and and in this motion emotion that is probably where we sometimes feel that my parents have forgiven my younger brother or sister for something. <laughs> I was punished for that mixed feeling. That So the, the, the Jews would say, well, let's give this guy hiding and chase him away. And then you get the other part of the Gentiles, which maybe did not know what to do with this parable. Because they probably also didn't understood the importance of forgiveness and now uh, this on Friday um, I married a couple and, and and as we were talking back I probably have never in my life seen a dad give his daughter away with so much anger <laughs> yeah nah. No? it's like literally he came up didn't look the uh, the, the, the groom in the eyes, shaked his hand, turned around, and sat down. Now she's pregnant as well. <laughs> no? and, and the crazy is because that's not how it works, right? You get married and then you get pregnant. And if you do it the other way around, you are a Sinner. And there's truth towards that, and there's a reality towards that. But these two really have made a commitment to love one another. And, and, and just the journey I had before and afterwards with them, when, when we came to the sermon, I, I spoke a bit about something that we all need in our lives. And that is forgiveness with no rules. Because that's what happened here. For the first time, Jesus is telling a parable here towards people that have rules for forgiveness. You've sinned, so we do a feast, or you come to the temple and you sacrifice a goat, which the priest will do in your name, and then you will be fine with God, and you can continue on, and then when you've sinned again, you can come back. So Jesus is moving away from that and saying that if anybody here comes to the Father, which is, in the story, God. He will most probably be on the lookout for you. You know, in the stories that said, he said, his Father saw him coming, so meaning that he was waiting for him, and then he celebrated him when he was already on his way. So, for a moment, when you are dirty, or someone is dirty, but you really love them, and you give them a hug, doesn't matter, it's like you don't smell them. You are just... So happy they are here and you want to hug them. You know, those moments in your life? It's, it's probably one of those moments. But for, for us, we've heard this story before. And it is like a similar reality. Oh, we need to forgive and we need to forget. And we need to understand that there is grace for everybody and everyone. But in this motion of the kingdom of God is here, is ready. It means that the invitation, even for those who smell like pigs, and have spitted in your face, declared you dead. Not can be, will be forgiven. If they ask for forgiveness, what this son really hasn't done, he's actually asked his dad, just to accept him once again, maybe as a servant. And then Jesus goes, he puts a ring on him, and he gives him sandals, and he gives him new wardrobe. All things that are connected towards richness if you had a ring in that time if you had saddles on and uh, sandals on and you had a new robe on you were really rich something we don't remember but most of the people there were, were barefoot and and the clothes that they were like with the only clothes they ever were they would probably just fix it up so it's not going to wolves and buying yourself a new shirt. It's going back to your father and he is covering you with his forgiveness. Even while you are stinking, (laughs) he's putting a ring on your finger to tell you that you have value. Even though you've thrown everything away and declared me dead, I will forgive you you so for a moment this is for me a story that helps me to understand that even though i know that there is grace and forgiveness for everyone there is really grace and forgiveness for everyone and and when i when i read a parable like this i will always sit down and ask myself who do i think is not going to make it into heaven you know they are big sinners They're really big sinners. (laughs) And then I say, maybe they will greet me in heaven the day I arrive. So I always imagine this massive racist boer which I've met many times in my life, that he will die one day and he will enter heaven and one of his workers will greet him and say to him, welcome. And maybe in that reaction, now being a Gentile or a Jew, understanding holiness and unworthiness, the way you will react for the last time, maybe as a human being, will be your ticket in or out. Just, just for a moment. So, that person you maybe hate or don't like or don't agree with will be standing in front of the gates of heaven and will be greeting you. Hello, Nicholas. Welcome to heaven. And I would have the question inside of me what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> And then maybe uh, I will see myself in a mirror and that forgiveness is not living in my heart. Or if I maybe see him and I have the understanding of realizing that, but even you are forgiven. Isn't that an amazing God that we serve? An open mindset. So it doesn't give us the authority to do whatever we want. Because we'll end up with the pigs. And somewhere in life, we all get glued up in those situations where you make wrong choices, wrong decisions. But when you walk back, God will forgive. In that context, it didn't make sense because there was no ritual. There was no sacrifice. There was only a father who forgave, gave his son, which makes it magical. In the sense that when we talk about Jesus, the original punk, and punk meaning a little bit of rebellion, it's just for the first time in a story, Jesus is walking upstream in the understanding of forgiveness. So, so the reality of this all comes down to, to, um, to two things. One the older brother. Because we don't read really if he went to the feast or did not go to the feast. But he had an invitation. And then it leads out to the question, we all have the ability to forgive and to be part of the feast. Even though the guests that are invited, like in the previous meal, are not the ones you expected, the question just is, are you going to say yes? Because if you do, you are saying yes to forgiveness, but if you say, I don't, it means you are separating yourself from the feast. And for me, that is one of the biggest realities in life. Is the Kingdom of God is a massive meal with friends, and there's going to be people on that table that you maybe never agreed on ever. So I always imagine that reality, maybe Hitler, just before he maybe pulled the trigger or whatever he'd done to take in his own life, if he did, said, "God forgives me for I have sinned." What happened? Uh, the story about Elvis Presley. If you start looking back, Alvis Presley was probably the rebel of his time. And like when my father would always tell me, if he listened to Alvis Presley, then you know you are sinning. And every single nomination and award he won was from a gospel song. How cool is that, yeah? And that is life. That we will continue on here today. Moving out, going on through the long weekend and whatever. And Jesus is inviting us into a meal. And asking us to bring the people with that we love and do not love. (laughs) Because he loves all. So the training naked for this week would be to invite a relative or a friend or anybody that you have not seen in a very long time. Or you maybe need to forgive. To a meal. <laughs> not to a coffee at Mug and Bean because Discovery is giving you discount there now. <laughs> you are inviting them to your homes. <laughs> And you are making that part of your life for the rest of the year. So that meals, whenever you have a meal, that you are reminded that meals are symbols in our community, in our lives, of forgiveness. Even though I struggle to really love you. I'm going to end up with a story from my, from my dad. Um, my dad is going through chemo at this moment. He's getting a bone marrow transplant. And it's funny how the chemo makes him really cuckoos. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that came out last night, Chen was already sleeping. He phoned me like at 10 p.m. I was like, what the hell? Why is he phoning me? His phone is broken. And the next morning, well, he had a big conversation and he spoke to the nurse and nobody understands his phone. is. But he's phoning me from his phone. <laughs> but his phone is broken. The next morning he phones me and he tells me, I just want to say sorry, I was really cuckoo's last night. They gave him medication that you will give an epileptic unfollower or whatsoever just to calm them down and whatsoever. So he was cuckoo's. And just before tonight, we we went there. And it's funny how his life, since he started realizing that this is his last chance, he's reflecting... (laughs) Hmm, oh man, That that the drugs is helping him to reflect on who he is and with who he has a issue, who he needs to forgive, and who he needs to make part of his life and who everybody you don't like, you need to forgive. He his way of meeting, you know, his reality. And mostly of the time it's the drugs, which is fantastic. <laughs> We were, we were sitting, uh, I was visiting him now, and um, I was alone with him in the room, and he's at Petreraus Hospital, and he's watching out of the window. And I had to really hold my laughter. He's starting to tell me, what are those guys doing on the field with the 4x4s? And he is seeing this massive 4x4 competition outside of the window with supporters. Now, I can't see out of the window, so I had to stood up to see Else, did he You know, this is not the place to do it, and there wasn't even a golfer on the barn There was nobody, just trees, but he saw this. And and for for me, the beauty of that is is that we all are gonna be part of an experience like that, and it teaches me once again, live a life of forgiveness, because being bitter only poisons your own soul. They maybe don't even know that you are mad at them. Invite them to a meal and have a good time. And celebrate life. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have mercy on us. Every single day. Even though that sometimes we are more on the Jewish side or the Gentile side. There is grace. There is forgiveness. There is acceptance. Even though that we allow ourselves to come into situations where we glue ourselves towards pigs, towards unforgiveness, sin, anger, I pray that you will help us to release ourselves from those feelings. And no matter how somebody else lives their lives, they will always have an open invitation of acceptance, of love, and of peace when they meet us. Amen.